1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I am very excited to speak with you. We have a returning guest, one of my faves, Molly McGrath is here on the show today. And we are here to discuss her new book, which is going to be released the day this podcast is released. So we got the stars to align on that. But um, I've read the advanced copy. It is absolutely fantastic. And it is always good to get Molly on the show because she is such a wealth of information on everything pertaining to the human side of business. So thank you so much for coming back on the show, Molly.
0: Thank you for having me. So So honored.
1: Yeah, let's get into the book. So just for the readers, like uh, I ended up picking up a copy of this. Molly was kind enough to send in advance. We were just chatting about some other stuff, actually, but I read it about a month ago. It is a fantastic read. So one of the things it's just I think you've done such an awesome job of incorporating everything that's needed, which is so broad. And it's almost one of those challenges I'm sure you kind of run into as an author where it's like, how much do I need to cover to make sure that people can implement it? But just in terms of the mindset, the communications, the process, like, I think it's such a refreshing look that really covers all the bases as far as what it takes to turn things around. But I kind of want to get into what Led you to this topic and and why are we writing about fixing people's bosses these days? Like, what's what? (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the origin stories of the book.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, for starters, I had no goal of writing another book. As you know, that is a labor of love, heartache, heartbreak. It is a massive process, but it kind of led into that through I consistently since 1997, I would get phone calls from a attorneys saying to me, fix my employees, fix my employees. Can I hire you to fix my employees constantly? And it really truly was the number one search term, even on our SEO, going to our website, looking at all that. I realized I really, how can I leverage this? How can I have multiple conversations? And I started writing a book called Fix My Employees. And that's how where it started. And from there with working with my publisher, they're like, that's not the title of the book. The workaround here is Fix My Boss. Think about it. If you're running through an airport and you see that on the shelf, the boss is going to pick that up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is she telling my employees to do? What's wrong with me? Is she revealing everything? And the employees are going to pick it up and they're like, yes, finally, a book to fix the boss. And so we really, that was the naming convention of the book, a book that I could speak into both their listening in a way that makes a difference and they'll want to pick up the book. And the reason that it's kind of snappy and kind of a gut punch and to the point is for so many years in my law firm boot bootcamp and really working with employees, and I don't love that word, but team members, entrepreneurs, I like to call them, consistently, they would come to me and say, yeah, my boss gave me all these books. I have a stack, a stack, a stack of books, a business book. So go to these conferences and put them on my desk and they land like read this to be fixed. Because there's something wrong with you and they don't pick them up. They don't read them. They're not speaking into their listening. So for me, I really wanted to write a book once and for all that is speaking to both of them in a way for them to really get on the same playing field, to get out of their perspective and realize that it's a collaborative approach, a team centric approach to reach goal.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. It's interesting too, because where you end up starting the book as far as focusing inward, I think. And with the experience you've had with so many law firms you've worked with, I think I probably know the answer to this question, but have you ever worked with somebody who is truly able to have employees that would outdo problems that people have as far as being a bad leader? Is that even a realistic thing to ever expect or does it have to start inside?
0: Say more about that. What do you mean by that? Yeah.
1: I mean, is it a realistic goal to fix one's employees? Like, is that ever something that can be done? Okay, gotcha. But if somebody happens to be a bad boss, it's probably going to go to pot sooner or later, right?
0: Well, you know, I love that question because so often people will say to me, well, not every employee can be fixed. Not every boss can have the turnaround, if you will. But... Sometimes I have had, and I kick off the book with a story about Bob, an attorney, and when he hired someone on there, and Bob really, truly was a great human being, wasn't the traditional screamer and you're lucky to have a job and things of that nature, but he was a horrible leader. And so often entrepreneurs, especially attorneys, they don't teach you how to run a business. And unfortunately, in this story, we hired him a COO, CEO, professional law firm administrator, so he could get the entrepreneurial freedom he was craving, not having to run the day to day, not have to manage the people, the operations, all of that. But he hired her and dumped her on day one and then took off and went to a conference and gave her no time, attention, feedback framework to work from. And we get the phone call from her saying, I'm quitting. You know, I don't get a response. I'm not getting the time, attention, feedback that I need. But to answer your question, so we weren't able to f- turn that around because Bob just really, truly couldn't see. He wanted me us to hire him, an employee that came with batteries included. So he turns the table on us as legal recruiters and say, well, you gave me a bad hire, Molly. And we're like, whoa, 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 time out. Even if you have the person that is batteries included, they have the knowledge, they have a the skill set, they have the everything down. You have to remember you're hiring a human being, not a human doing. You still have to give them leadership, coaching, mentorship to make certain that they implement can have all the systems and process that you want. And, you know, coming out of the woodworks, so there's no lack of strategy in most law firms that I work with. But at the end of the day, you have... Have to give them time. You can't just hire somebody regardless. And most attorneys get seduced by a resume. Oh, I'm not going to hire that person. They don't have the knowledge, they don't have the skill set. But on the employee side, it's the human being stuff of why people get fired their lack of dependency, their lack of follow through, their lack of communication, their lack of perspective, things of that nature, regardless of how beautiful and impressive their resume is. On the boss side, I have had great employees that come with the communication, the leadership, the perspective, the mindset, and all that. And we put them in a law firm and the boss is a jerk. They really truly are. That's why they have so much turnover consistently. But if you find a rock star that really truly has a confidence and they really truly believe in your mission and they know that they can turn your business around, I have had employees go in and say to the attorney, say, you're the biggest problem in the business And it's almost like a bully. How do you handle a bully? Everybody tiptoes around them. Nobody will tell them they're the biggest problem. But the second you punch them in the gut, so to speak, they back down. And- So often I will see when employees have the permission to have the courageous conversations and be upfront and clear, and I can get them to walk in there and be honest while respectful. I'm being a little bit blunt here, but I train them on how to have the honest while respectful upfront conversation in real time and have that conversation. I have seen the worst bosses actually turn around and say, thank you. Nobody's ever told me that. I had no idea that's why there's been a revolving door here. I thought that it was just that employees don't want to work, that nobody millennial mindset, blame it on any type of time that we're sitting in right now. But it's really that nobody really had the upfront courageous conversation with the entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I love about your process, Molly, is that it's it's such a 360 degree thing. I think it's like really interesting. I'm seeing this happen a little bit more. And I don't know if it's a sign of the times. But yeah, it used to be a situation where it was outwards, right? People weren't taking accountability. And I think, you know, one of the things I would probably say as well is like, if you have somebody who is a rock star, a rock star is going to do better than or somebody who has their shit together from a leadership perspective, they might be able to get things treading water if they're they're overcoming the worst boss in the world. But you know, if somebody wants to look inward and work on this stuff internally, not only are your A player going to do better, but you're going to be able to get performance out of people that might not necessarily be there too. So it's like, I think it's so important for people to start from that perspective of, of accountability and ownership. I mean, I think it's really impressive too, if you're giving people to you know, that you're placing for people essentially become not only an employee, but also a, a mirror to somebody and you know, maybe even a coach within, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. And and I love it. you say that sign of the times or what have you. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, this, all this conversation about the great employee resignation, I'm really on a mission to shift that and to the great employee restoration, because so often when you can follow the fix my boss framework that I poured my heart and soul in, into the book, into my programs, into my recruiting efforts up front. When you're really vulnerable upfront and you create a system and a process around your communication, your internal communication, how we communicate, that one of our core values is that we have upfront conversations in real time. We don't hold on to stories and stuff. We all have permission to share what's working, what's not working in real time. I have seen law firms transform overnight with that.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of double click on the courageous conversation thing, when you're dealing with people and you get the resistance from people that you're either working with or coaching, what are some of the things that people that might be close to a breakthrough but aren't willing to take that next step? What kind of things might they be telling themselves about not wanting to have a courageous conversation?
0: From the employee side, they're definitely, even in this market, they're really, really afraid that they're going to get fired, even if they know they can have a job and the next day and a drop of a hat or what have you. When I can tell them and get them say worst scenario that's going to happen, if you put time on your attorney or your boss or your leader's calendar and sit down with them and have a conversation coming with facts, not emotions and really coming to them like internal business consultant, you see, you know how entrepreneurs, we hire so many consultants and experts to create strategy and what have you. So obviously, they're open to it. But if you can book time and you can have a conversation, the worst case scenario, you get fired. Okay, for having the courageous conversation, what personal and professional growth do you gain by that? Also, you're planting the seeds. They can't unhear what you're telling them. They can choose to shut down right now in that moment and not act on it. But if you can manage, lead, and facilitate that conversation, have an adult conversation, and communicate like a CEO, right down to the receptionist. It's one of the things I really instill in people is walking in there and having that conversation about you're the biggest bottleneck in the process. The reason that we're we have calendars empty is because you won't do the marketing that needs. You're afraid to spend the money on Facebook ads or hire a marketing agency like Field And we can even talk about the, a story that you and I just talked about about a client service coordinator that we hired and turned around a law firm in five less than five months because of her ability to have the courageous conversations. And vice versa, it's really fascinating to me. Even attorneys, they will call me and they'll say, I don't like conflict. You're trained in conflict. What are you talking about? But when it comes to employees, they're afraid of having the conversation, even if they have a C-level employee, because they have this mindset of, well, they're better than nothing. I'm afraid, you know, they're going to walk out the door and then I'll have no help and it's all going to get delegated back up to me. I think people are constantly picking the worst case scenario, but they're like two millimeters away from the next million dollars, the next breakthrough that they need. Just if they're willing to have the permission to speak the truth. Again, always in honest while respectful conversation. Always for the good and health of the internal culture, the clients, cash flow, calendar conversions, all that. But they're just like so close to it if they'd be willing. But I think people just have all these stories, especially entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, I'm going to get slept with an employment lawsuit. I'm going to like we go to the dark side of town always when it comes to that time and continue to live in that place and suffer in silence.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting to kind of consider these negatives, too, because I think when people really want to sit down and look at what they are, it's like, you know, on the employee side, it's like, if you get fired by somebody who's firing you because you wanted to be honest to them, like, it's probably not a place you want to work. And on the business side, if you, you know, if you don't want to encourage helpful conversation, you're kind of leading to one of these, you know, emperor's new clothes situations. Like, would you rather be happily ignorant? or, you know, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but in a place where you have real visibility into what's happening with your people and your actual business. And it's like, you know, when you look at a lot of these things, too, I always like, um, I'm thinking about this book by uh, Ray Dalio. Do you ever read that book on um, principles by Ray Dalio? Mm-mm. So he's no. like a big hedge fund guy. And it's kind of similar, you see a lot of these like finance guys, hedge fund guys, VC guys, it's like, it's all about getting, you know, the biggest truth telling situation and the people who are have the most accurate view of reality are the people who are able to react to the market and, and do the best for you know shareholders and stuff like that. But it's the same thing with people's business, especially if you're the only shareholder. It's like you're, you know, it's it's really tough to make money with <laughs> without accurate information. Because you could be hemorrhaging all kinds of stuff in places you don't know. But it's like if you can't have that baseline of truth telling and honesty and transparency, it's like, you know, the all the process and all the coaching and all the, you know, all the the raw events you go to is not going to help that. As a matter of fact, you're just going to be wasting money faster.
0: And that's always a measuring stick of just money and time. But imagine the energy. That's Mm. a resource that, you know, whether you're not saying what you need to say, and you have a story in your head, and you're suffering in silence, I always tell attorneys this, okay, great. Every time you walk past the intake desk or the reception desk, and you're so frustrated because you see that this is not happening, that's not happening. And now you're walking into an initial consultation in a conference room that you're going to close that $5,000, 10000 client. Do you think you're not bringing that energy into that room and do all the subconscious stuff that happens? I have tracked it over and over again. When attorneys don't have team members that they feel solid, they have collaboration, they have honest conversations with, they're self-sabotaging. They're like, I don't even want to get in Another client because I already know what's going wrong in the five files that we just got hired and this client's mad at us this client we're over delivering and losing money on this one left a bad google review whatever it might be and because you bite in your tongue and not having that conversation it is rippling through everything you're doing in your job as an attorney and you don't see it you're not really seeing it and vice versa when attorneys are really showing up they're not prepared for client meetings they're coming in hot and heavy they're late to client meetings they're going over client meetings and people aren't hiring us. And the person at the front door who's client services, they know the answer. They're like, I know exactly why we're not getting hired because they don't ask for the engagement agreement in the conference room. They constantly are going over and they're constantly giving, turning it from an initial consultation where you're understanding the vision of the firm and they're turning it into a legal advice. They're giving too much information and people aren't calling us. Our intake form is so hard and happy. And they see the things. I'm like, have you told them this? And they're like, well, no. I'm afraid, you know, I don't know, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. I've only been here for two months or six months or what have you. I'm like, the answer is in the room. I constantly train my legal admin team. You at the front desk, you know, you can tell them they don't need any more strategy. You know, exactly. Go have the conversation with them. And it's just really fascinating. It's so hard to get employees to talk. It is so incredibly hard. And that's why I renamed the book from Fix My Employees to Fix My Boss. So the employees would pick it up and realize that they have to work so hard on their perspective mindset and their confidence to have that courageous, honest, well, respectful business conversation. Because they see all the problems in the law firm and their suggestions are like, well, what do I know? You know, someone let them out of law school with a law degree. We all know that's not the easiest thing in the world to get. I'm just the receptionist. I don't know that, you know, I think employees have two stories going on in their head. One, they were trained from their previous jobs to you're lucky to have a job and keep your mouth shut, put your head down, do what you're told and you'll be rewarded with a paycheck at the end of the day. The other story they constantly have going on that I hear all the time is, you know, they're a business owner and they're a business owner and a lawyer and they own a law firm. Very, very smart people. And so what do I know? They know all the answers. Somebody let them open a business. Somebody let them out of school, out of law school and gave them a law degree. Who am I to tell them that, the reason we're not getting hired is because they're not getting the engagement green sign. I don't know. They must have taught them at law school that that's how it's supposed to go.
1: Yeah, it's kind of and it's so hard to tell when and, and I'm kind of seeing the the cycle of this stuff, too, And which is, again, why I think it's so important that you address all these different legs of the stool to getting this unwound. But it's just like when you're in the soup, it's so tough to tell because you have things that can stem from an unsaid conversation and i'll say this too just you know from from where we're at in terms of getting close to people's sales numbers for the marketing stuff we do bad vibes will kill a sale faster than anything else like it's like you know you're auditioning as, as much as anyone who's interviewing for you is on some level and if you have a lot of bad juju and people are like do i really want to work with this person for the next weeks months years and uh, you yeah, know it's, it's it's something to seriously keep in consideration but you know i'm sure you've probably seen this too Like What kind of outcomes are you seeing when people are able to really get that weight off their chest and and really do like what kind of turnarounds are you able to see when when that ends up getting implemented?
0: I love it. You asked that question. I'll give you a very recent story. I have a law firm, very, very successful law firm estate planning, probate, uh, special needs trust, etc. And they hired us to hire them a couple new team members because they're growing just like every estate planning law firm in the country. And they called us to do hiring for them. So we start running ads, my recruiters, my sourcers, and in my daily huddle, my recruiter, my sourcer after three days, Now, if anyone knows anything about staffing right now, hiring attorneys and paralegals, there is a massive shortage. And it's not unemployment rate of under it's 0.8% for attorneys under 2% for paralegals. So the market's tight, no matter if you have the best law firm in the world. But they came to me, they're like, we have a problem. And this isn't the first time this happened. They're like, we are finding candidates in this insanely tight market. But guess what? Everyone we talk to when we share the law firm name, they're like, nope, nope, nope. I won't even interview with them because not they haven't even worked there. But employees talk, especially in the legal space. They're like, no, my friend, she just came to my law firm. She just came from there and they said it's the worst place to work at. Like constantly, I have one law firm that there's a private Facebook group and there are 27 past employees. True story, 27 past employees that started a private Facebook group and they call it the attorney's first name victims is the name of the Facebook group. Really, truly. And I shared it with the attorney and she's like, well, they're all, you know, it wasn't her problem. It wasn't her. They're all bad people. This law firm, I got on the phone with them like, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's what we're finding, whether the right or the wrong perspective is everything. So here's what I need from you, attorney. I want you and your new professional law firm administrator to record a video for us and talk about You know, there was a time when we were disorganized. We didn't have process. We were stressed out. We bubble name all the problems that I just told you. They all told us and talk to them about how you've turned around your law firm. And they were coachable. They were willing. And the attorney was in tears. She's like, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? And she's like, I've worked with this recruiter, this recruiter. They could. I was the third recruiter. They came to us. And I'm like, I'll take on the job. But I'm telling you, there's a landmine sitting somewhere of why you can't fill this position. They paid great, their benefits, PTO, all that were great. And so very coachable. And that's an example for really what you want, I want, and most of the firms I work with from your team members to give you the data and the information so you can turn it around. But there's other firms that They're not coachable in that regard.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the happy ending for those guys, I'm guessing too, they were able to get their clients, candidates placed.
0: Yeah. The video, we actually went back to all their past employees and ran a search for through LinkedIn recruiter and all the people that have worked there before. And we sent it. We actually had three past paralegals come back to us and they're like, I'm willing to talk to her again.
1: No kidding. Wow. That is fantastic. And I guess it's just like, that's a thing. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't a comfortable conversation for anybody to have, but I, I think it's like, there's one of these things I always try to think about in terms of like where the, the whatever's scary is, is usually the things that represent the biggest amount of change. And like, that's where you really get these night and day benefits. And I think a lot of people are content to just see things slowly get worse in a comfortable way than to potentially risk something that's uncomfortable to get something way better. And at the end of the day, it's like when those moments end up coming, it's good to know it's on the other end of those sometimes just to you know understand what people are fighting for. Right.
0: Well, yeah. And what I love about what you said, it's not a comfortable conversation for anyone. But my favorite, like, honest to God, if it's on my tombstone or what have you, that my favorite, favorite thing in the world is when I can empower an employee to have the upfront conversation in real time with their attorney and team members, what have you. And then they come back and they have a victory. They're like, oh, my gosh, not only did they listen, we have a meeting on the calendar for Friday For 90 minutes, we're going to bring lunch in and we're going to rework the process. The attorney was so excited about that. So what happens? Their confidence increases. And then the next conversation they have to have about, you know, why our cancellations and reschedules are up or whatever it might be then it's not uncomfortable anymore. It's no longer scary because my ego's out of it as an employee. I already have proof of concept from the attorney that they were open, receptive, willing to take action, willing to put time on the calendar to fix this now and touch it once. But I always tell my team members, the truth will set you free. It'll set everyone free. So I'm not coming in to have this conversation because it's about me. My commitment and unwavering stand is, for the practice, for the clients, which impacts my work so I can feel like a difference maker. So the more you do it, you get more comfortable with it and the conversations become so rich because they're not coming with weapons. It's not about shame and blame and finger pointing at all. It's about anchoring to the mission, anchoring to what we said we wanted, anchoring to how much money we want, initial consultations, how many families we want to impact, what have you. So it's not about me as the employee. It's not about you as the attorney. At the end of the day, it's about the clients, about our branding, our reputation, and about us really living up to our mission that we are the best law firm within 100 miles of this office.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's kind of funny, you hear this thing from people all the time too just business owners kvetching about like, you know, I I hate being the person who has to come up with every idea or the only person who takes responsibility. But you know, if we're not reinforcing people bring things to the fore and and letting them see them through, it's like you're, you're almost training them to keep their mouth shut, right?
0: Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you have to remember there's a whole, you know, lineage of previous jobs before you, whether they worked at Chick-fil-A as their first job or the prior law firms, that's how they were trained. And then you're, they're coming to your law firm and they're getting reinforcement of that. So they need the permission to lead. They need the permission to speak the truth. And that's one of the things from day one of an employee coming in that I have them really instill within their core values, within their rules of engagement, and what have you. And I, you know, it's so fun when you have a law firm that will say, I will never fire you from do for doing the wrong thing. But I will absolutely fire you if you see the way out of this, or you see the solution, and you don't say anything. And I find out two weeks later that you've been harboring this and holding on to this In the daily huddle, I talk about in the book and I have, you know, a workbook to go with the book. I Part of the weekly stakeholders meeting, part of the daily huddle is what worked, what didn't work about yesterday and what did work, ending on a positive. But everybody, every single day and every weekly meeting and every daily huddle has to have something that didn't work about yesterday. They have to because then they're being thought leaders and they're being solution finders or what have you. Everybody from their seat, whether it's a paralegal, what didn't work about yesterday is I got the documents 30 minutes before the client was pulling in the parking lot. What didn't we need to revise our process between design and sign? OK, got it. Put it on the calendar. Put it on the strategic roadmap. Great. What didn't work for the receptionist? What didn't work yes, about yesterday was that, you know, whatever it might be, everybody had something for process improvement, continual improvement. And me as a business owner, if I'm sitting in this meeting and I have my team, to your point, everybody's always looking to me for the ideas, the solutions, what have you. But when I have a team member that's coming, you and I talked about a, a mutual client. They did their first seminar, what have you. A client service coordinator who had been there for, I don't know, four months, three months, whatever. I show up on my onboarding call with them. She had a list of what didn't work at the seminar. I I mean, it was logistical things. Okay, it didn't work that the two can't. And this is what didn't work. The folders were kind of cumbersome. The client experience, you know, like she had a list of everything. What didn't work is Susie wasn't here yesterday. Do the follow-up calls. So I had to do them. Then these tests didn't get done. We got to come up with a better, like, I loved it. That is like music to my ear. And I just sit in there watching the attorney. I'm like, how happy is your heart right now? And she, like, the attorney was literally in tears. They're like, I didn't notice all that stuff. I'm like, no, because you're on stage doing your job and this it's a team-centric approach to reach goal and the fact that you're sitting here and letting her giving her the freedom to share all these things and she's already got the proposed solution that's one thing i teach constantly in the book don't go to your attorney with a problem unless you have a
1: proposed solution Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant, too, because it's like when you get to the point, like, I think a lot of people might get stuck in the solo mode, because it's like their range of control is only what they immediately see. But the fact of the matter is, if you ever want to get past that point, it's impossible to have your eyes on everything. It's just the only way to scale things up.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's impo- not only is it impossible, even if let's just talk because I always hear from people. Well, we're a small firm. I'm like, well, no, you have a a small firm mindset right now about that. Because even if you have loads and gobs of people, resources, money, marketing, what have you, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be the one to have. You don't want puppets. You don't want yes chicks. You want people that are coming to you and thinking and acting like a CEO right down to the receptionist. In my opinion, the client service coordinator, intake coordinator, people that are getting people from raising their hand and saying yes into the conference room and making sure you get engaged, they have this solution. So even if you are small solo or what have you, if it's you and one guy or gal, really thinking about this, the greatest gift I would love for anyone listening is making that shift and empowering your team to manage and run and lead the day for them to really be your eyes to have your front to have your back and give them permission to share with you what's not working even if you can't solve it today but making certain that they're tracking it and keeping it on a strategic roadmap or whatever it might be
1: yeah I mean that sums it up Molly and it all starts with decisions that people are making and you know starting with themselves, sharing it with people. but I think that's a good place as any as far as uh, kind of transitioning out. So if people want the book, it's this is June twentieth that we're going to be releasing this. What's the best place to find it?
0: Absolutely. Well, you go to Amazon, of course, you can also go to fixmybossbook.com and we'll put in show notes for you. And I have a workbook uh, there as well that you can download and order the book from there as well, or Amazon or Barnes and Noble.
1: Okay, that's awesome. And I'll say this too. So you know, some of the resources, I know we've talked a lot about the theory, but the specific examples that Molly goes through this book, it is as much of a tool as it is something to to read on a, you know, flight or something like that. I was actually downloaded your daily huddle meeting. <laughs> Molly I shared it with some of my team leaders. It's uh, super actionable stuff, guys. So, it just like, you know, short of actually going to your law firm and actually doing this, there's there's not much else Molly could have done to get this information accessible for you. So, definitely recommended by you. I, I rate the book super highly myself, and I'm so glad that you ended up making this, Molly.
0: Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me today.
1: All right. And it was a pleasure having you as well, Molly. I'm sure we'll be back again on a, another uh, podcast together soon. But for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes,
0: free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.